Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. Uh, Today, we have one news announcement we'll get into a little later, but you probably want to know at the top of the episode that iPadOS 16 and macOS Ventura are now available to download. So if you have a device that is able to download them, you can go and install that today, which is, if you haven't already, which is is pretty exciting. Exciting news. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the episode. Uh, David, you've got a sponsor message. I do. Today's sponsor is Jamf, and Jamf is an industry leader for managing your Apple products in the workplace. They have seven out of the 10 tech companies as ranked, the, the top tech companies ranked by Forbes use Jamf. 22 out of the top 25, the most valuable brands as ranked by Forbes use Use Jamf. So they're used by large companies, but they're also great for mid to small size companies. If you are a company that provides iPhones, iPads, Macs to your employees, there's a whole range of management things that you need that the average consumer does not. And Jamf just makes it super easy to set up, to manage the device, and keep those devices secure. So make sure you check them out. They have some free trials and great pricing. It's Jamf.com, J A M F.com. Next, I want to tell you about our free newsletter. It's called iPhone Life Tip of the Day. You can go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up. And it's an amazing way to learn something new about your iPhone in under 60 seconds a day. A lot of people like to read it as they have their morning coffee. It's a great way just to get a little tidbit and over time really expand how much you know about using your Apple devices in a really effortless way. So iphonelife.com slash daily tips is where you can go to sign up. I wanted to talk about the iOS 16 messages tips today. I have one that I wanted to highlight um, for all of you, but also just talk about the fact that there are a few. And from my experience, no one in my life is using them except for people at work. I feel like this is a very self-serving update. We want you guys to use them so that we can interact with you guys better. I know, it's true. And by you guys, I mean the world at large. Yeah, it is such a bummer having like... uh, editing messages and different things like that and, and deleting messages and not having other people use them. It's very similar to the reactions that came out a few years ago and it took like years for everyone to catch up with that mm-hmm. and to start liking and um, reacting to your text messages. And now that's become a common thing. So I, I'm, I have a feeling with these, they'll also be adopted over time. I think so. Let's get into the tip. And then yeah. I have I have a bonus complaint because I'm, I'm on the complaining <laughs> bandwagon with you for this tip. Yeah, I just wanted to complain with you yeah. about this, David. <laughs> um, so the tip I wanted to share today is how to mark your messages as unread. And for those of you longtime listeners, you'll know that this was something that David and I complained about for years, that you can mark emails is unread, but up until now, you haven't been able to mark text messages as unread. And this is a really useful feature for those of us who (laughs) forget to respond to emails or forget to respond to texts. But if you mark it as unread, it keeps on showing up there until you deal with it. And so it helps you become a more responsible communicator. Yes. Um, So all you have to do to do this is just update to iOS 16. And then when you're in the messages app and you're like in the main view where you can see all your text threads, just swipe left to right on the display and you'll see a little mark is unread blue box show up and tap that. And if you swipe right um, far enough, it'll just do it without having to tap it. So that's like the way to do it in one swipe as opposed to two. But it's a really easy way to um, keep all your texts in order and make sure you respond to everyone. And I think the reason people aren't using this tip is because it's one of those hidden ones. You don't know it's there and 
unless you read about it. All of these text features are like that. There's no visual uh, like cue to use them. Yeah. You just have to remember that they're there, which is why none of us are in the habit yet. And uh, to be honest, I had forgotten about this one already, even though I'd been asking for it for years. <laughs> What's funny is like, part, I was wondering why no one's using them. And I think the fact that no one else is using them makes it even easier to forget about them yourself. I mean, this is not one you, you don't see if other people yeah. are using them or not, but um, editing and deleting texts are ones that you do notice if other people are doing, and I have not been noticing anyone else doing that. Here is where my bonus complaint comes okay. in. Part of why I haven't been using it as much is I wish that Apple w could give me a visual cue if they are on the most recent operating system. Because yeah. if they're not, then they get this weird thing where they get a text message telling them that I edited a message, and it looks weird. And it, it makes like, it look weird editing of it sort of a spectacle for everyone to see yeah exactly and in particular if you unsend a message and they aren't on the latest operating system then when you unsend it <laughs> all they do all that happens is they get a message telling them that you unsent it which is way worse it calls attention to the fact that you really wish you hadn't sent that message <laughs> oh yeah that's, that's like the worst case it's scenario. the worst case scenario and i my anecdotally and my impression is that a lot of people have not updated to the most recent operating system. Which and so, also, what is up with that? I, I don't know. I think I think we just all have a lot in our life. In our, it's still dealing with pandemic life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I doubt with all of you listening at home that you're in this case because yeah. you're listening to this podcast. But if you have a device that supports iOS 16, I would say you should update. I mean, we've, like, unless you have... A really, you know, maybe the iPhone 8, it's debatable battery wise, but I think in general, if you have a phone that supports it, you should update. Yeah, I think in general, you can, especially these days, like we're, we're, we're past, you have to do it for security's sake. The features are great, and uh -huh. we're past the period of like the weird bugs that are really gonna mess up your phone. Yeah, it's, it's very true. stable. Um, but I think for you guys, what we should do, Donna, you and I should make a public service announcement. <laughs> so because I'm sure everybody listening at home, you guys are listening to this podcast, y'all are doing this, but you guys need to share this with your friends and family yeah. so we can all live in a better world together. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And use all the new features. Yeah. So the new features are, just to recap again, marking messages as unread, <laughs> editing messages, which you can do within, I want to say... 15 minutes of sending and you can delete text messages within two minutes of sending. Um, and then there's also some features like you can, um, there's a recently deleted section now in your messages app. So you can, it stores your messages for 30 days. We've had a post really take off recently on how to retrieve mm. deleted texts and that there's like new ways to do that now. Um, I think those are the main ones. Those are the main ones. Uh, and we do have, of course, our iOS 16 guide. So if you have not gotten iOS, if you are an insider, make sure you check it out and we'll teach you all of these things. If you are not an insider, now's a good time and we'll tell you in a second all about it. Yeah. Um, I, ha I, I would say I have actually pretty frequently unsent. I have unsent messages more than I thought I would. Really? I've edited. I edit unsent. a lot. Um, but I'll unsend. I mean, usually I'll unsend because... The, the main reason I thought I would unsend a message is if I like accidentally text the wrong person or I text something really embarrassing, which doesn't happen to me very often. Yeah. But it's a lot of times I'll send a message and then they will like instantly respond or say something that negates the message I just sent. And then I'll unsend for the sake of clarity is what I've realized I do. Oh, where it's like you sent it 
Like you were basically simultaneously sending messages and what you sent became kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I'll be like, what time do you want to eat lunch? And they will text me and be like, I'm on my way to lunch. And then I'll unsend it so that they don't have to respond and be like, oh, I just told you I'm on my way. <laughs> right, right. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Well, that segues in well to our insider update for those of you, you know, David mentioning the iOS 16 guide. So I wanted to take a minute to tell you all about our premium subscription, iPhone Life Insider. This is a service that's amazing for anyone who just wants to get the most out of their Apple devices. If you're excited about Apple products and using them and all the great features that it gives you access to, then Insider is a really amazing way to make sure that you're taking advantage of those. And also similar to the daily tip, we really focus on helping you learn in a way that's fun and easy. So we have in-depth guides that have short videos you can watch on any topic related to that guide. So you can just find the part that's relevant to you. We have downloadable PDFs, So you have resources uh, uh, available to you to follow along step-by-step. Step. We have virtual courses where you can uh, tune in live with instructors or watch the replays. We have a video version of the daily tip. So you can watch that one minute tip and follow along on your device, which is, you know, for a lot of us, it's easier to follow along with a video than having to read uh, a tip. And we have a ad-free version of this podcast with premium content from me and David. And we have uh, Ask an Expert, which is a feature that lets you send in questions to our team of experts and get a guaranteed response to help you with any tech problem that you're having with your Apple devices. You also get a digital subscription to iPhone Life Magazine. We've been around basically since the iPhone came out. And um, so we have over 30 past issues. We have a ton of great gear and app recommendations in there. Uh, we come out with a new issue every quarter. And uh, so you get access to that when you become an insider as well. You get 30% off your subscription just for being a podcast listener, which is a really amazing deal. Plus, we have a 10% discount for senior, senior service personnel and veterans, which you just apply at checkout. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. That'll automatically give you the 30% off. And if you're 60 or older or are a teacher, veteran, or service personnel, then check that extra 10% at uh, checkout and you get a total of 40% off your subscription to iPhone Life Insider. And we've got some really exciting content coming out. So this month, because it's happy November, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and happy Halloween. Happy, ha happy Halloween, belatedly. But, <laughs> no, just using. Uh, so well, this month we will be coming out with our Mac OS Ventura course. So we just said Macos Ventura just came out. We're going to teach you everything you need to know in our live online course. Uh, and in addition to that, next month, we'll come out with our iPad guide that has everything you need to know about iPad OS 16. Yep. So we've got a ton coming out. Uh, iPhoneLife.com slash podcast discount. We have an insider question I wanted to share with all of you. Um, this is one that's it's not an iOS 16 feature. It's one that's been around a long time, but it's a really good one to know about if you have any vision issues, whether, you know, it's just a little bit of an eye strain to read, or if you're having like really can't read your screen, this will help you to know about. You can actually go in and change the size of all the font across your device. Yeah, we have someone who wrote an insider wrote in who said they had a vision problem and would like to make the menu larger. Um, the, the tip that we gave in response was something that lets you just make the text larger across the board on your iPhone. Um, so you go to settings, accessibility, display, and text size. And from there you can adjust it and it'll show you as you adjust it, what size 
it'll change the display as you go. So you can kind of fiddle with it and see what works best for you. Um, I just have the standard, but I feel like a lot of people I know do take advantage of this. Like my mom has it a little bigger on her device. I agree. It's a, it's probably one of the most common modifications I see is the bigger text. I think if you are doing this, especially if you're bumping it up quite a bit, it's also a good argument for getting the, um, max sized mm-hmm. iPhone just that you have more display size to play with. And I've heard a lot of people talking about the Apple watch ultra and liking the bigger size for, you know, for the same visual reasons, being able to read, read better. <clears throat> yeah. Donna and I, neither Donna and I opted for it, but we should have somebody on the podcast because everyone in office who has it is loving it. So we should do a hands-on with that. I yeah, agree. that would be fun. But no, I agree. Cause one of the trade-offs with increasing text size is losing screen real estate. So Probably if you are somebody who likes a larger text size, the uh, either the Pro Max or what is it, the iPhone, the iPhone Plus now? What do they call the not Pro version of the bigger screen? Oh, or iPhone um, 14 Plus? The iPhone 14 Matt? Oh my gosh, I'm totally blinking. <laughs> this is embarrassing. We're going to have to get to the bottom of this immediately. It is not selling well, so <laughs> I'm going to just say that we don't know because I have a 14 people. plus. Okay, so it's not embarrassing. We totally knew that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. So moving along, I wanted to thank all of you who wrote in to help me make my iPad purchasing decision, and I wanted to read out some of the comments from all of you because I found them to be really helpful. I like based on the, on what David said and the comments from listeners, I'm between two devices now. Um, and I wanted to actually read out the responses and like have another little short discussion about this. Um, that will hopefully help me decide for sure. Um, so for those of you who didn't listen to last episode, we talked about Apple's new iPads, Apple released, a new iPad pro and a new iPad air earlier in October. And, um, we were kind of talking about the fact that there's now so many iPads available. We've got an iPad mini. That's pretty great. There's, um, the now base level iPad that is, doesn't have home. Wow. Home button anymore. And so it's kind of confusing just trying to figure out which one to get. And I am in the market for a new iPad and didn't know which one I wanted to get. So, um, we had Lauren write in, Donna, here I am with David. Go with the iPad Pro. I acquired my 11-inch iPad Pro when it first came out. I have a 2021. Uh, by the way, when I was saying the new iPads that came out, I think I said there was a new iPad Air. I meant to say I'm considering the, the iPad Air from last year. Um, the ones that Apple released in October were the iPad 10th generation and new iPad Pros. Um so anyway, Lauren says, I acquired my 11-inch iPad Pro when it first came out. I have a 2021 and love it. For me, I look at it, if not a computer replacement, at least a sometimes computer replacement. For instance, when I travel now, my 14-inch MacBook Pro stays home and only, and I take my iPad Pro. By the way, can't wait for iPad OS 16.1 next Monday. There's very little I cannot do on the iPad. And in any number of cases, have found a similar function easier on the iPad. I was hoping for more of a jump in the newest iPad Pro, but given that I have the 2021, doubt that I will upgrade, as I am certain that a 15% speed increase is something that, while measurable in most cases, will not be noticeable. I enjoy the podcast. Found your insider subscription worthwhile. Aw, thank you. Um, Ross says, Hi, guys. I currently have the iPad 5th generation. I was waiting for the latest announcement and was disappointed. 
After doing much research, I decided on getting the iPad Pro M1 11-inch 128-gigabyte along with the Apple Pencil 2nd Gen. I was screaming at the podcast <laughs> when you were originally recommending the iPad Air as the price you were quoting was on the 64-gigabyte. I think that is too low storage, and I didn't see the need for 256-gigabyte. I bought the M1 as I didn't see the need for the M2. I'm looking forward to using my iPad Pro, and I'm hoping the battery will be better. I play many motorways in Apple Arcade, and it sucks the life out of the iPad 5th gen. With regards... Oh, okay. So uh, there's another vote for the for an iPad Pro. I really do think that I'm not going to get the iPad Air. I've had like these comments convinced me of that um and just talking about it with you 64 gigabytes i don't think is enough yeah that Plus was the key not, factor yeah um so but, just to recap for those who didn't listen again although we've recapped enough where maybe go listen uh but the we were originally comparing them and saying that the ipad air is the better choice because it's cheaper but then when we dug in uh, it's the entry level that we were looking at price point for was 64 gigabytes. If you, and then to upgrade, you have to upgrade to 256 gigabytes, which then ends up being a very similar price to the iPad pro that just came out. And at that point you probably, it's probably worth it just to get the iPad pro. So that was a, a kind of a brief explanation for the logic behind all this, that 64 gigabytes probably isn't enough for most people. And if that is true, then the price difference is between the iPad Air and iPad Pro isn't that much. So we have two more comments. We got such good, I feel like these were really helpful comments from listeners. Bev says, I got an iPad Air last spring. I too absolutely went for the 256 gigabyte. And because we travel back and forth to our lake home up north, I wouldn't be without cellular on the iPad since I can do all kinds of things in the car on the four hour ride. Traveling with cellular is a dream. With my bridge keyboard, it is my pseudo laptop. I have no need for a laptop, so this is my dream machine. Really amped up the cost, but I wanted the less weight to travel. You didn't address that issue. It's true. We didn't really talk much about the fact that the air is so light and that that might be a purchase decision for people. I think for me, I don't mind that much. The difference in weight. Um, I'm, I'm actually, while you're talking, I'm going to look it up because yeah. I don't know that it's that much lighter, actually. Um, you didn't address that issue. Pro just didn't hold enough for me to have a tad better screen. The price on the Pro with cellular was just too much for what I too much for me. The new iPad with 64 gigabytes is ridiculous. So everybody agrees that an entry level <laughs> iPad at 60 because they don't they don't even start the iPhone at 64 gigs anymore, do they? No. Yeah, it's, it is. It, is it does seem egregious. So this last one, this is what really. I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to get the iPad Pro, but um, here was something that threw me for a loop a little bit. Hal, our founder, brought this up to me, and then we also got a comment from a listener. As for which iPad to buy, how about buying the 2021 iPad Pro on sale? The changes to the just-announced 2022 iPad Pro M2 aren't very significant. Who cares about a hovering Apple Pencil? I think you'll be happy with the M1 model for many years. I doubt you'll notice the speedier M2 in normal use. I snagged an 11-inch model earlier this year when it was current for $170 off. And while I don't see that deal now, Amazon um, is, has the 12.9-inch for $200 off. We're coming up on Black Friday. I bet you can score a deal on the 11-inch in the next couple of months by waiting for the right one. So that actually, like, Hal was saying the same thing to me. And that was kind of interesting. And I see in your notes here the thinking that 
Black Friday's coming up, and there yeah. probably will be some sales on the older generations. Exactly. And so it is like one of the things we talked about in the last episode is that it is nice to get the really like getting the the best processor is a big deal. Um, and so that was a good reason to not get the base level iPad that just came out, which has an older processor in it. Um, but the M one processor is still really good. And so I don't, I kind of agree that like for that 15% speed increase of the M two, I don't know if it's worth spending that much more on. Maybe I should just get the 2021 iPad pro. Yeah, I get the logic. I tend to just kind of err a little bit towards future proofing and the, the it's like yes, you're paying a little bit more, but it'll probably last a little bit longer. That 15%, it's like it's not just do you feel it, it's like as the operating systems get more and more complex next year and the year after, can your processor keep up? See, I think the thing to think about is I would like to get an iPad that I can enjoy for about five years yeah it's different than when when buying an iphone which i upgrade more regularly um so i i think that makes me not want to get the ipad air um but with the m1 2021 ipad pro i think it's more of a question like i think i could probably enjoy it for five years but the getting the newest 2022 version I'll probably be able to, it'll age better. And uh, yeah, and uh, the thing that people often don't think about as well that I've been really on my, uh, that I've been hyping a lot or harping on a lot rather is the the depreciation of the device. Cause Mm -hmm. you're looking at this and you're saying last year's model is a little bit cheaper, but it's only a little bit cheaper. So if you buy this year's model and you wait a year, it maintains most of its value. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a very – I'm sort of just playing devil's advocate because I think it makes perfect sense to wait and get a slightly cheaper model uh, because the difference isn't that much. Yeah. I'm still leaning towards that. And I also don't want the 12.9-inch. I guess it's too big. Yeah. Um. So – I don't know. I might wait till Black Friday because we're getting close now and just see if there's like an outrageous deal. Maybe I would go for it. But otherwise, yeah. I think I'm going to get the new iPad Pro. So I do. OK. Decision made. Yeah. All right. I do have a couple updates for you here. Okay. Uh, number one, I let me scroll back down. So the, the difference in weight, it's so funny. It's so such branding. The difference in weight between the iPad Air, which is you know light as air, and the iPad Pro is point. Oh, two pounds or Wait, what? eight grams is the difference. Are you serious? So the iPad Pro 11 inch is 1.04 pounds or 470 grams. Uh, and the iPad Air is 1.02. So 1.04 versus 1.02 or 470 grams versus 462 grams. Well, they're like exactly the same, basically. They're, yeah. You, you would not buy the iPad Air for a lighter device. It would it wouldn't make sense. If you held them both in your hand, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. That surprises me that it's so similar, but the 12.9 inch is quite a bit heavier. Yeah, right? the 12.9 inch gets heavier, and the iPad is slightly heavier still, so it's 1.06. So that, you know, difference between 1.02 and 1.06 starts to probably be tangible, like you can feel it. Um, and then if you get the 12.9 inch, then you're at 1.5. So then you're really Yeah, so that makes the bigger difference. Yeah. Much bigger difference. But of course, it's a bigger device. It's a bigger screen. So of course, it's going to be heavier. Yeah. Um, I do actually, though, I have one other update that's tangentially related to this, which is I had a use case 
where I told somebody to get the new iPad. Like, not the iPad Pro, but just the iPad Oh, iPad. let's hear it. My sister messaged me, and she was getting an iPad for her kids, and uh-huh. her kids are younger, and so they beat up their devices a lot. I think they're, the older of the two is seven. Uh, and so um, she wanted, basically, she wanted the cheapest iPad that she could get. And, but when I went and looked... There just are not very good options for older devices that made any sense. Like, I was going and looking at... Re- she was sending me a device that was a refurbished iPad that was a sixth generation, so four generations back, for 150 bucks, And I was like, for... I, I know that you're spending a little bit more for this iPad, but it's just worth it. Um, so if you are in the market for an iPad, for a budget iPad, the 10th generation, I think, is the way to go. And you're basically saying the reason you'd recommend this is because it's for a kid that's going to beat up their device and that's the only way time you'd recommend this but this iPad? Or? Basically, what? I, yes. Um, and I think the 10th generation or also I was sending her the 9th generation saying you can consider buying a 9th generation new because the 9th generation starts at $320. This is actually the one I told her to get. It's it starts at three hundred twenty dollars, uh, and if you are buying it for a kid, odds are this is actually a good bonus tip. Uh, you can get an educational discount if, mm. if they're in school. So then you can save ten percent on top of that. And she ended up getting a brand new iPad for three hundred dollars, whereas she was looking at a refurbished iPad that was four years old for like when it was all said and done, going to be almost two hundred dollars. Yeah, no, I think that is the right. The right call then. So it's a little bit what we were saying last time, but this is just kind of putting some painting a, a more detailed picture that the iPad has a place. It's very valuable as a budget friendly iPad. But if you are listening to this, odds are you are an enthusiast and it's not for you. <laughs> uh, you know, especially if you're somebody who's thinking you're going to use this as a laptop replacement or, uh, you know, the newer, the Pro and the Air are just such better devices that it's probably not the right call to get just the iPad. But if you are buying it for kids, if you're wanting an entry level, again, these, these devices keep their value so much that it's kind of worth just buying the budget version of the most recent line as opposed to going and buying two, three years out, which is almost the same price. Yeah, one thing, though, that... Um even more sealed the deal for me that I didn't want to get that iPad is it doesn't have the anti-reflective coating. And that's something I didn't bring up last episode, mm. but um, I've noticed on my older iPad that also doesn't have that coating. It is, it's like pretty noticeable. The one like it's having that kind of glare on your display at different angles. If there's like any natural light coming, hitting your display, it makes it hard to read. Yeah. It's an interesting point, <laughs> it, but it's like, again, for like all of you listening and for us once you try the nicer displays once you like kind of get spoiled it's hard to go back yeah you know um but one issue that i also just wanted to bring up to see if you had any thoughts on and also if our listeners do is the battery life of Mm -hmm. ipads because one thing i've noticed majorly with the base level ipad i have that's a couple years old is that it does not hold its charge like i'll charge it to 100 percent I'll not use it for a few days and it'll have drained almost yeah. all the way. And and then I've heard that other people are having the same experience, even if they have a pro. This is something that came up in our conversation. We were all talking just casually about iPads and 
why we all love them but don't use them as much as we thought we would. And the reason is this exact issue where your phone, you're using it regularly throughout the day every day for most people. Uh, whereas an iPad, you know, you kind of keep in the drawer and pull it out every couple days, every two, three days, and then you want to use it then. Uh, and for whatever reason, the way it they set up the operating system, it does seem to be that the iPad drains battery even when you're not using it. Yeah. Which is really frustrating because of the use case. Yeah. Um, now, none of us have the newest one. I will say that I had the same experience with Macs until I was using my most recent Mac, which is the M1 chip, M1 Pro. Uh, and, and then suddenly I could have my computer off, pick it up two days later, and it would be at the same battery level. I know. So that's, I would think that the M1s and the iPad Pro would do the same thing. I, so, and it's possible that they do. So we'll have to look into that, and because I we all have slightly older iPads at this point. So yeah, uh, this could be our question of the week: Is do you all find that your iPads retain charge, or are you having the same issue that we're having? That if you use your iPhone, you put it to sleep, you wait a couple of days and pick it back up, it drains. Yeah. Um, now, one tip that's related that I have found helps a lot is I'll put my device in airplane mode when I'm not using it. Oh, that's a good idea. And um, certainly what we're talking about is sleep. If you can uh, power it down altogether, and then it won't drain battery, presumably. But most people leave their device when it's inactive just in sleep mode, and you would think Apple would have enough battery management to not have it drain that much in sleep mode. So my hunch is going to be that with the M1 or M2 iPads that – you'll be in much better shape this way because Noah was the other, our COO was complaining mm -hmm. to me about this. And this was with the iPad mini, which I'd also been considering buying, but the iPad mini has the A15 chip. It doesn't have the M1. So all of us have older yeah. iPads now. So I'm thinking it's another reason to get an M1 or later iPad. Yeah, I think so. I'm just trying to look up right now and see if I can see very, at a glance what devices I actually have because I'm trying to remember which of my iPads, what iPad <laughs> I have. Yeah, because you've got a Pro, but it's older. Here we go. I have the iPad Pro, but I'm seeing what generation I have here. Um, I have the iPad Pro. It's not telling me generation, so I'll have to That's report okay. back on you guys. Yeah. Uh, another update iPad-wise, though, I mentioned it at the top of the episode, is that iPadOS 16 and macOS Ventura are now available to install on your device. Um, so iPadOS 16 also is going to run better on a newer iPad. And like on my older iPad, I was running the beta, which you know, admittedly is more unstable. So maybe that was part of the problem, but it really slowed down my, my base level iPad from a few years ago. Um, so I think it's another reason if you want to take advantage of stage manager, which is a really nice new multitasking feature, yeah. then you're going to want a new iPad too, or a newer iPad. Um, we also, for, we also, the insiders listening to this, we have our iPad guide that's just about to be updated and we've got all the new stage manager features there um, that'll be coming out in the next couple weeks. And then for those of you who are not insiders, it might be a good reason to become one. Yes. Learn, learn all the new features that. Okay, moving along. Oh, I wanted to make a question of the week. Uh, who's used stage manager and what do you think of it? Because it's a pretty significant new multitasking feature. 
Email us at podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know. And also let us know about the battery draining issue yeah. that you're asking. So two, two questions, uh, podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know your thoughts. And we are going to wrap up our iPad coverage because we've yeah. had a couple episodes now. <laughs> Let's move on because we know some of y'all don't have iPads. Okay, cool. So tell me, Donna, I see we, let's do our apps and gear. What is your apps app and gear, and gear so recommendation So I've got my, I have a backpack that I'm really enjoying from STM. It's, uh, STM is a brand that makes a lot of nice bags, backpacks, things like that. Um, and, you know, we've covered them a good amount over the years, but they sent me this backpack that fits my, my MacBook Air really nicely in it. Um, I like the black one. It's just like kind of simple and sleek. It's really not bulky. It has a lot of compartments also for charging cords and cables, and then has like a nice little section, um, on the side for, um, a water bottle. And then it has this like nice little slot on the back that is great for travel that lets you slide your backpack over the carrying section of your, um, suitcase, which is a, you know, like when you, most of us with carry on bags, you've got usually a backpack and a suitcase. And as you're like carting your way around the airport, you want them to be connected and not like <laughs> toppling over all the time. So it's a super nice bag. I'm going to link, um, link to it in the show notes so you can see the exact model and everything. But STM's really great. Have you used any of their stuff? Um, only a little bit. I've heard really good things. Um, so I'm jealous. I would like to. But yeah. I, it's, a, it's a nice little bonus tip. Whenever you're buying a backpack to look to see if it has that little slot that slides over the carry-on. Because so many bags don't have that. And it saves your life while traveling. It's the Ducks 16L Slim Backpack. It's $229. Um, and then they also sent me this Ducks Messenger Bag, which is... It was a little big for me personally, a little masculine. So I'm letting my boyfriend use it right now. We just did a, a weekend trip last weekend. He was able to fit all of his stuff for the weekend as well as his laptop in the bag. Um, so I'll link to that as well. That's 250 because it's nice to have like a long weekend bag too. Um, and they're both that same kind of nice black, um, simple, sleek design. Yeah. What about you? What's your apps and gear for the week? I've got one I'm excited to talk about because uh, it it's been a little bit and I've been keep meaning to bring it up because it's related to football season, which we're like halfway done with football season already. Uh, but I would like to recommend YouTube TV. Mm. Um, so do you ever watch live TV or are you totally <laughs> off the live TV bandwagon? Well, I was just about to be, I was like, I didn't know football season, football season <laughs> even started. I've been totally. Well, there are other reasons to watch live TV. That's just why I do it. You know, I don't, but I've actually been feeling like it would be nice to mainly just to watch news. Mm -hmm. I, like I usually use podcasts for that, but I've been kind of more interested lately and being like, maybe I should Watch, it is, you know, it like, is election season. I know. Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> yeah. got me thinking about it. Yeah. Well, so if you watch live TV for any reason, um, especially the reason for me why I love YouTube TV, I used to have like the classic satellite and then I cut the cord and in part to save money, but in part because I only watch football as live TV. So I only need it about half the year. And satellite locks you into these contracts where YouTube TV does not. You can turn it on. You can turn it off. There are a bunch of options out there that are similar, um, but I particularly like YouTube TV for a couple reasons. 
Number one is that it has by far the best user experience of any of them I've used. It's just really intuitive, easy to use. You have unlimited recording, so you can TiVo, quote unquote, TiVo things. So they don't call it that anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's like me calling things book on tape still. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly, <I> <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's just, I've used a bunch of them and I find them kind of difficult to use, whereas YouTube TV I find very easy to use. It also has local channels, so a lot of the streaming options do not have local channels. Um, the the cheaper one is it's called Sling. It's actually I think by Dish, and it is cheaper, but they usually don't offer locals depending on where you are, and it's hard to use. The third thing is that the audio or the video quality, for whatever reason, I don't know what they do that's different than the competitors, and I should I should look into it to have a more in-depth analysis here, but it's really crisp. I've been blown away because I thought that when I cut the cord and moved away from satellite that I was going to have a worse video quality, but I've been really impressed by YouTube. And they also have a few qualities, uh, a few features for uh, football in particular, if you are somebody who's thinking about doing this for football, which is that you can, it's, it's really cool actually, when you, uh, I'm often starting a game late. Uh, when you start a game, it has this option to catch up through the key plays. So mm. it go does a little like recap of the game for me to get me caught up live, and it'll show me all the key plays that I missed. It's usually like five, if you know, if I'm in, in the second half, it'll be like five minutes of highlights and then the live game. And it's such a nice middle ground of I don't necessarily always want to start from the beginning if I'm picking up halfway through, but I want to see what I've missed. And it's a really nice middle ground. So YouTube TV, if you are a football fan and want to have a live streaming option, or if you want live TV for another reason, I, I've just really enjoyed it. Uh, it is not, like I mentioned, it's not cheap. I think it ends up being about, depending on your package, I have Red Zone, so it's a little bit more, uh, but I think it's like 70 or $80. Where, uh, if you don't have Red Zone, I think it's closer to 60 whereas Sling is maybe 30 or $40. So it, you're, that you're, is pricey. It, it is pricey, which is why I only have it certain times of the year. Uh, and it's, it is more, it's like notably more expensive than the competitors. But if you need local channels, it's worth it. And also just, it's such a nice user experience that I, I enjoy it and I'm willing to pay more for it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know for that price if I would want <laughs> they it. If I, like if I, especially because I'm not watching sports. Yeah, yeah. But for for like for sports fans, it seems worth it. Like, I mean, with cable, pe people spend a ton to watch live sports. It's the. I mean, if you want to watch live football, you have to get one of these options. Yeah, it, like it you're really gonna be spending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can save a little bit of money with Sling, but then you don't get the locals. Which, if you want to watch your local team, you kind of need it. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps up this episode. All right. For insiders, stick around. We have some complaints and learning for you. But for everyone else, we'll see you back in a couple weeks for the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.